guys, welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your hosts. I'm Crystal. And I'm Bethany. Thanks for joining us again as always. And first off, we want to thank you guys for all the support um, on all of our socials. It's truly been a pretty great month for us. We recently teamed up with Bloodbath Podcast. Um, go check these guys out. They these girls are hilarious. They mm-hmm. they're just great. Um, so we did a pass the mic video over on TikTok. Um, didn't exactly go how we wanted it to plan. Like me and Bethany were trying to do it together. So I just did it. But I, I really think you should post on Instagram that video you sent me of Tyler. Oh gosh, <laughs> I really think I should too. It's, it's really so funny. Weird. I want to put it on TikTok too. It's uh, hilarious. Okay, well now that we said this, when this video, when this episode goes live, we will post the video of my husband acting a complete <laughs> fool as well. I love that. Um, I sent it to Bethany, and she actually thought it was the actual video I was going to send I to. really, I legitimately opened it thinking that, oh, she's just sending me what she's sending to the girl in Bloodbath. <laughs> and then I got to the end of it, and I was like, oh, my God, Crystal really got trolled by her husband. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll leave it to a surprise for yeah. you guys. But it was a ton of fun. Um, your dog isn't shutting up, and I love it. God. I, so I wonder how many of you listen to our episodes when you hear children and dogs and... And I don't even know. Aliens. <laughs> Ghosts. <laughs> the sound of America. Um, but anyway, so I do want to say thank you to Bloodbath for letting us be a part of that. We had a lot of fun, and we can't wait to be a part of the next one. But also a quick reminder for all of you out there, if you missed our Twitch stream last week, we do upload them all to YouTube where you can hang out and rewatch us basically just talk for a couple of hours um and then have fun trolling us i guess i mean that's been the new thing i mean Mm. we did kind of get into it with a person on i don't i wouldn't consider it getting into i had fun i don't think anything that we said was disrespectful no i actually was very respectful i invited them to be on the podcast and the thing I didn't understand is they said we only had 10 total likes on all of our videos. And but we that, had 16 on that one. On that one video, which, I mean, that's not, like, amazing numbers, but we've only had our YouTube, like, what, two months? Yeah. But I do want to give a shout-out to Knickknack Paddywhack Show because, because of you, we've had almost 200 views on that one episode in, like, the... 48 hours? Yes, yeah. that you started commenting. So, shout out to you. Yeah. You are giving us some crazy For some context, views. For some context clues, he didn't like one of our Twitch streams that I uploaded to our YouTube channel. Because like Crystal said, if we have a Twitch stream, I upload it. I try to the next day. Because Twitch only keeps it for, what, like two weeks? Mm-hmm. And he watched it. He took the time to watch the two hour long Twitch stream and didn't like it. And he didn't like it so much that he went and disliked all of our other YouTube videos, which you just gave us an, an extra view. It literally gave us a view for everyone. Yeah, so I was I was not hating. I told my husband, though, I told Zach, I was like, I wonder if he's superstitious, because he didn't thumbs down the Robert the Doll one and my oh. mom's video. Our two paranormal videos, he didn't thumbs down. I wonder down. if he is superstitious. Hmm. So when I upload this episode... 
to YouTube and knickknack paddywhack show, you listen to this. Because he will. Because he's, when we tell you guys he's been stalking our YouTube so channel, he has. You got your shout out. But anyway, so when you go watch this episode from the Twitch stream, we did talk about the Devil School in Jacksonville, Florida. It was a ton of fun. We look forward to our monthly streams um, every month. They're just so much fun. We, we don't care about the trolls. We have fun. Um, and we're getting subs pretty quickly, which is all kind of cool, too. But mm-hmm. So we'd love for you if you headed over and dropped us a sub, maybe a like or two to counteract this weirdo's dislikes, but it doesn't matter. Um, our goal is to hit 100K and to start kind of making, like, little vlogs of our day or going to, like, haunted areas around lo- town. That is literally my goal, and I keep telling Crystal. I would love for her to be able to quit her 9 to 5 and me get away from my children. And it sounds really, really bad. And bust out and us just go, like, I, I keep telling We've mentioned this, like, ten times. Crystal wants me to go stay at this spooky place in Texas my mom wants us to go to the Stanley Hotel. I know, we're going. I want to go. So, we would love to just, like, start making, like, vlogs on YouTube. So, that's our goal. So, go drop us a sub and yes. help us get towards that because we need monies to be able to do <laughs> yes. all that. Yes. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Bethany. We do have a pretty interesting um, case today. It is a uh, crime case from Florida. So, you know, it is our local week. Um, this is a pretty rough one. I don't understand why we keep doing ones about little kids when we say that we hate doing them about little kids. So, take that for what it is. Well, for today's case, I have to, like, literally, like, TikTok needs to sponsor us. Like, TikTok, <laughs> Amazon Prime, like, what else do we mention a lot on here? Chick-fil-A. Oh, so many He's different like, things. Taco Bell. Um, I, I mean, I personally knew about this case. I was really young when it happened, but, like, it, like, literally rocked the whole state of Florida. And the person we were going to talk to was, like, on children behind bars and, like, stuff like that. But I actually was scrolling through TikTok, and I'm very much on true crime TikTok. Oh, yeah. Um, and I ran across one video, and it was talking about this case, and I sent it to Crystal, and, like, once a month we sit down and we map out our next episodes. And I was like, we should really do this one. Because it's just, like, it's all I've been seeing on TikTok. And, like, you guys know I love my YouTube. And a lot of the people that I subscribe to that do true crime even have started talking about it because they saw it on TikTok as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people want to talk about that. And at the end of this, I will tell you why. Because some stuff is going to be happening in 2023. So. Okay. Let's jump into it. I don't know if Crystal has researched this much. I have. I haven't researched this a whole lot, but I have listened to several podcasts about this topic. I did as well, and I'm going to mention them respectfully because I hate those podcasts that, like, do an episode and they, like, think all the evidence came from them alone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mention a couple of podcasts. I'm going to mention a couple of YouTubers um, and also just come, like, local newspapers and stuff and, like just random nonsense and I'll, that just made me think of reddit and then it made me think of what crystal just showed me so she's a I'm weirdo sorry. i go down reddit like <laughs> she goes down reddit. rabbit holes and i'm sorry i didn't know that there was a whole side of reddit for people with like weird fetishes weird yeah and it, it, it's so intriguing to me I'm sometimes sorry. that happens when we do research we start researching one topic and then i end up and i call crystal and i'm like i I need a shower. 
oh, or yeah. something. But so, anyways, um, I am going to be mentioning some people in some places just so nobody comes to us and, like, says that we are those type of people. Um, but once again, we have a case for you guys where, like, if you Google the victim's name, um, a picture's not going to pop them. They're not going to be the first person on the first Google page. Which always um, bothers me. It does, but, like, I can see why they do that. Um, but also, I feel like, respectfully, it should be a, per- a picture of them. It yeah. should be their name. It almost should be, like, a little memorial. Yeah, I feel, yes, that should be the first link. But, you know, anyways, Google, do your thing. Um, it, it's sickening, especially in this case, um, because, like Crystal said, we are going to be discussing a child I know me and Crystal don't like to do children's cases, but for some reason, like, the past couple of weeks, that's all we've been talking yeah. about, but, um, I will warn you, if you've never heard of this case, a lot of people haven't, which is really weird to me, but I'm a Floridian, so, like, everybody knew about this case, because it just made you, like, I don't know, think of children and totally different lightness mm-hmm. because children are innocent and they don't do anything and they're good and this you like kind of had to keep a close eye on literally everybody not just adults and that's really sad to think about um it was it's a tough case for everyone literally all around because i'm going to talk about like so many people that were a part of this and especially for the victim um it being a child and the family, because what we're going to talk about, it gets pretty intense for both sides. Because um, it's literally not what you expect at all. I mean, when I tell you this is the biggest curveball, the biggest, you will not be able to figure out what happened as I'm talking about it. Unless, obviously, you know about the case or you stop and Google you, you wouldn't see this coming at all. And today we're going to be discussing the missing eight-year-old Maddie Clifton Madeline, but she goes by Maddie literally by everybody. Um, she was originally ruled missing, and I'm just going to jump to jump to it. It eventually was ruled a murder, a homicide. Um, on November 3rd, 1998, Maddie Clifton was reported missing by her mother, Sheila Clifton, after she had gone outside in their front yard to play. I mean, that's totally normal. Um, she's eight years old. It's nice day outside. It's Florida. I mean, if it's not raining, which is literally every day, it's super sunny and it's like 95 million degrees outside. Um, <laughs> And even if it's raining, I don't know, I can speak for Florida. Even if it's raining, it's like a mist. So, like, even if it's raining, you're still outside playing and doing your thing. Um, so that's totally normal. Um, but several hours later, Maddie was nowhere to be found. And I put, like, a little part in my notes about this because I, like, went back and forth on this. Um, me being a mom myself... I've been told a lot that I'm a helicopter mom, especially by my husband, but that's a story for a different day. <laughs> a fight for a different day. It's because um, I'm not a parent. Well, I'm kind of a parent, but I'm not really a parent. That's a story for another day, too. But <laughs> I am the 
<laughs> just let them do their own thing. They'll be fine. And my husband's like, <gasps> what are they doing? Oh, my God. And so many people say me and Tyler are Yes, like and so alive. Tyler and Bethany are like, and me and Zach are like, <laughs> and a lot of things. But parenting, definitely. But, like, this, like, the beginning of it, I mean, like, when I was a kid and this happened, I was like, I mean, I was a kid, I don't, you know, I didn't know what was going on. But now I'm like a mom researching this and talking about it. Um, and, like, literally when I even, like, let my kids in the backyard, like, we don't have a fenced in yard, I, like, watch them because anybody could drive up down our back alleyway, like, do anything. So I'm just hovering. That's why my husband calls me hovering parent, helicopter mom. But, like, this was 1998. It was, I mean. I was Five, four, five. I was about to be seven. Yeah, I was, I was about to be five. Um, I mean, it was the 90s. I mean, me and Crystal were literally almost the same age as Maddie. Mm -hmm. She was just a little bit older. Um, I mean, our moms let us do exactly the same thing. I know my mom did. The world was scary, but it literally was not 2021 scary, and that's really sad to say, but that is the 100% truth. I mean, I disagree, but I think 1998 scary was just as bad as 2021 scary, but we know a lot more about things. That is true. And so it's a little bit more on the forefront, because there were still, just like there's pedophiles and freaks now in 2021, they were still around in 1998. They just got around easier, and we didn't know about them as easy. That's, that's true. Um, and that's also, that, I mean, that what I wrote in my notes goes along with that, because back then we were kids, and we, we didn't, think, pay, about we didn't like think about it. And now, like, and I don't we, think parents think, thought about it like that either. They didn't. I know my mom didn't. I mean, I, I, we do all this, and we think this way. I know I do because I'm doing this research, and I'm reading stories like this, and I'm thinking about what could happen to my kids if I let them be outside for by themselves for hours upon hours. But, like, that just wasn't the case in 1998. I mean, I'm, that's not speaking for all parents. That was just, you know, yeah. let them go outside, do their own thing. It was super publicized. I mean, it was on the news constantly. It was on television shows. So many people were out handing flyers out. Like, there's literally, if you go and Google, there's so many pictures that you can find on the World Wide Web. I said that just for Crystal. Um, there were so many pictures. I don't think I've seen a case that has this many pictures. I mean, it literally has downtown people handing out flyers, um, the police department, the family, the neighborhood they lived in. Like, it was like somebody was just, like, taking a picture of everything because they wanted to make sure everything was documented. Um, there was Maddie's missing persons flyer, um, her reward flyer. People literally out all day and night handing these flyers out to, like, people driving down the road, people on the highway. Like, they were literally standing everywhere. All of Jacksonville was, like, literally frantically searching for 8-year-old Maddie Clifton. And the first missing persons flyer makes me want to cry a little bit because my mom has an identical picture of me that literally looks like the missing persons flyer of Maddie. Aww. Which it was creepy, because, like, also at my grandparents' house, there's that picture of me, and, like, my cousins played basketball as well, so we're all, it literally, I mean, and, and it's 90s, so, like, we all have this 
stupid bangs. And everybody knows what I'm talking about. We all have the same haircut. The stupid little socks with the lace at the top of it, even though we're playing basketball. But in her missing persons flower, it pictures Maddie in her red YMCA basketball jersey, which is actually what she was wearing when she went missing, which makes it, like, even more sad because Mm -hmm. that's literally the flyer you're handing out is what you're going to find your child in. And it's... She was an average eight-year-old kid. I mean, she she was definitely a tomboy. She was... Not on, like, the more girlyisher side than her older sister. She loved to play sports. She played basketball. Like, she played it all. She loved to play the piano. She really liked to play the piano, her and her older sister, Jessie. Um, she practiced it literally almost every day after she got out of school. She had to do her homework. She had to practice the piano for 30 minutes minimum, and then she could go outside and play. Aww. Um So disciplined. <laughs> Hey, really? Like, I, but I feel like that's I how I was. I remember to wash my face every day. Uh, that, I mean, yeah. Yeah, me, young, was disciplined. Me, now, hot mess. So, yes. Like, remembering to bathe and do simple, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Anyways, um, Maddie had asked after she finished if she could go outside um, after doing her piano practice and see if any of the neighborhood kids wanted to play. And this was, like, absolutely nothing strange. The kids were all known for doing this after they did their homework and whatever, going around, knocking on all the doors, and seeing if anybody wanted to play. Not me. I was very... I never did that either. I did not. I didn't want to go knock on anyone's door because I was afraid that their parent was going to open the door and yell at me. I had one friend on my street, and I only talked to him because we were both outcasts and we rode the bus together, mm-hmm. and he talked to me first. See, I preferred when they would come to my door and ask if we could play. So, yeah. Not the other way around. Yeah, because that was not me. But Maddie, she was, t- you know, a normal 8-year-old kid, not, not me and like Crystal. Us. Yeah. And so she made her rounds around the neighborhood, and she went to view, and everybody was kind of busy, still doing homework, or they were, you know, in trouble, couldn't come out. But she found, like, a small group of kids that she could play with, and, like, I'm actually not too sure on this part because, like, even all the research, all the documentaries, all the YouTube videos, the podcast, they mention, like, several different things. And, like, even some of the investigators can't get a for sure timeline on this. Um, but she found some group of kids and they were either playing baseball or they were playing golf. Golf? Yeah, I don't, that's not a normal activity what? for, like, 8, 9, 10-year-olds, and there were some that were older. But it was some sort of sport. That's what I have in my notes. Some sort of sport. And it said that they, were like, ran out of balls. Like, maybe they were hitting, hitting them, you know. I don't know. This is a typical, <laughs> so funny. This is a typical kid story. Like, this literally sounds like a little kid told it, and it was from little it, They went and interviewed all the children on the streets, uh-huh. and this is what all the kids were telling them. And Maddie went home because she said, oh, well, I have some at home. Let me go grab them. Mm-hmm. Um, and her older sister, Jessie, like, accounts to this because she had came into their room. And she was doing her piano practice. And she was being very loud. Eventually she left. I'm assuming she couldn't find what she was looking for and went back out to um, play. And Maddie never came back. 
she was never seen again. Her mom assumed when she didn't come home for dinner around like 5 or 6 um, p.m. that she was probably still, you know, out maybe across the other street down the neighborhood playing with some kids. So, um, you know, typical. You know, sometimes kids lose track of time and they're just, you know, playing hard and they, they don't realize. Yeah, you know, no texting, hey, it's dinner time. I um, love this chair because every time it squeaks, it sounds like a fart on the podcast. She's totally farting, guys, and letting one rip, and I can account for it. I'm here. You guys aren't. Um, but, you know, I'm, I know me and my childhood um, friend that I was just speaking about, um, he's very dear. I wish I could find out where he happened to. He was an outcast because we were middle schoolers and he was openly gay, which good for him that, you know, at a young age. We would uh, ride our bikes together, like down our street, down our neighborhood, all afternoon, just kind of hanging out until the street lights came on. That was just the rule with my mom and his mom as well. Once the street light came on, we had one street light on our entire road which is kind of stupid to think about it it's kind of like your house my now. house now on base they want us to get snatched up in the dark because there's literally no street lights anyways once the street light came on we had to go inside get washed up for dinner you know and that's what this was maddie it was getting late and her mom's like okay we need to get maddie she needs to come home so Sheila sent Maddie's older sister, Jessie, to look for her, and Jessie was two years older, so she was like 10, 10 around there, fixing to turn 11, um, and they were very, very close. When I say they are close, they are not your average sisters, like normally sisters like fight. They were best of friends, like their mom and their dad say they just got they just always got along. They never fought. Mm-hmm. They loved each other dearly. So she sent her mom. She sent her daughter out, and she was like, "Just go find her." Probably a mom thing, like trying to finish dinner. She's like, "Just go find her, okay?" And Jessie rode her bike all around the neighborhood and couldn't find her. She even like went like a few streets. She went like two streets to the left and two streets to the right of their like little cul-de-sac neighborhood. I'm mm-hmm. I'm assuming they lived in like the suburbs. Because it was like everything was connected. So it sounds okay, like yeah. it sounds like a suburb to me. Um, and she just couldn't find her. And I, like, I can imagine that she, like, panic was setting in. Like, okay, I, normally she's out here. Normally I can find her. Normally I'm calling out her name, you know, screaming Maddie. And she's like, yeah, you know, Jess, I'm here. Um, so finally, Jesse rushes home. And says, look, I've been screaming for Maddie, and I can't find her anywhere. I even looked on a couple extra streets, Mom, and she's she's not there. Something's wrong. And, like, the Cliftons, like, instantly went into Mama and Papa Bear mode. Like, they, like, there was no scenario on what it could be. They were like, my daughter's missing. So... Kudos Which is how I would be, too. I would be, too, but some parents aren't like that. You know, they're like, let's wait a few hours. Maybe she's over here. Well, I mean, it was like with Kendrick's mom. She mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to go look. I don't find him. He's missing. Missing, yeah. I mean, you know your child. You yes. know your child. And this isn't typical for Maddie. Like, this wasn't typical. Well, she's an 8-year-old child. Of course it's not typical. And it's young. She's really young. Yeah. This isn't like a teenager that's, like, over at a boyfriend's house. This is an 8-year-old little girl. Um... 
and really in these type of situations you cannot waste time because every hour matters so they immediately called 911 and filed a missing persons report, which I think it's because of her age they let her do, because normally they Probably. make you wait 24 hours. Yeah, I think, I think it's only 24 hours if they are I wonder if an it's adult. Like, okay, yeah, it's probably under, like, maybe 18 or so. Yeah. Um, and they also notified their neighbors, and everyone went into action, shouting Maddie's name, looking for her, because they also went, they were a little hopeful, so they, fi they went ahead and filed it, but then they were like, Okay, let me go ask the neighbors. Mm -hmm. Maybe she went inside their home to hang out. Cause literally, Maybe she stayed for dinner somewhere yeah, and she didn't tell us. Not that weird, but they were still trying to be hopeful. Like, you don't want to think that somebody snatched your daughter up. So, a little bit of hope was there. Um, I would really hope my neighbors helped me look for my missing child. I mean, their neighbors were literally rock stars and did everything they could. But I'm not hopeful at all. Crystal knows my neighbors. Some of them have moved away, and thank God. Um, but, like, my neighbors are not friendly at all. Like, they literally all stay to themselves. Like, they barely come outside, except for their children. Um, so, like, I don't know. This this would be hard for me. I wouldn't have a village like this, like these people did. And um, in a 24-hour period, they had almost a 1,000 people volunteer to help find missing eight-year-old maddie that's crazy that, uh, literally that's literally like almost the entire city of jacksonville came out and helped them pass out flyers they brought food donations for people um all the news stations were out covering it i mean they the entire town was looking for maddie it, it was amazing crazy. um the police began interviewing everyone that lived on Maddie's street in the surrounding area. I mean, that's pretty typical. Mm -hmm. I mean, she, she went missing her. from the neighborhood. Let's, you know, let's interview them. And they all said the same thing. They saw Maddie playing with the neighborhood kids, and that was the last thing they saw her. And that's exactly what she was doing, and then nobody knows what happens to her after that. And um, it was just, it was literally like she was playing this golf game, which I don't even know if she was really playing golf, and we'll never know. And then she just disappeared, like literally out of thin air. And nobody has seen anything. Nobody snatched her up. She didn't scream. That's the that's the weird part. Like, if she went missing, you don't know, think she would have screamed or said no? Um, so she must have uh, knew the person, or it must have been somebody from the neighborhood. That's my first thought when reading through all this. But yeah, I mean, but it had to be somebody, too, because nobody... There's no evidence. There's, like, literally yeah. nobody saw anything. So or if they, no one saw anything, that means that there was nobody out of the ordinary there. Exactly. Nobody walked to the neighborhood. Nobody drove their car down the street. Um, so, I mean, that's a very good point. There was a suspect that the police really believed had something, um, had done something to Maddie. Like, they really thought this man was the person that took Maddie. And, um, I'm not going to mention him that much. I'm not even going to say his name because I feel like this, this dude was like, I don't know. I, stuff like this, if you're accused once, like, your life is basically ruined. Because oh, yeah. then ever, you're going to be that person that they thought, you know, took a child. So, I'm just going to really briefly talk about it, and then we'll move on. Um, his home was searched 
literally somewhere between seven to nine times. And that's not a made-up number. Like, they kept going back to his home because they were, like, convinced Maddie was in the home. He was taking her in and out of the home. They would find some of her clothing, some evidence of Maddie in the home. They never found anything. Nothing. Like, literally nothing. Not a hair. No. No evidence at all for, from this poor man's house. Like, seven times? That's, that's to me, crazy. that's crazy. Like, that's uh, two times. Two times. I'd be like, okay, there's Like, do nothing. they suck that much at their job that they couldn't find anything the first I just feel like I just feel like they were so desperate, and here they have a grown man, and you see a grown man, you automatically a lot of people think pedophile. Yeah. Which yes, but you can't label that on every Mm -hmm. adult male. He did fail a polygraph test, which is why that's why they kept um, going back to search his home, and they just like really believed he had something to do with Maddie's disappearance. Um, however, if you've been listening to us since episode one, you know, Crystal and I don't really like, we don't really roll with polygraphs or really, those just, especially for me, I think those just need to be taken out completely. Yeah, they're not accurate. Um, they're so unreliable and they're not even used in court to begin with, so I'm not even sure why they use them anymore. Like, even in this instance, he had nothing to do with it. The polygraph picked up on something But he wasn't involved with it, so they automatically assumed Mm -hmm. he did it. He was actually eventually ruled out, seeing as they literally had zero, nada evidence against him, like nothing. Um, He was literally just a nice, older neighbor. He was, like, in his mid-40s, early 50s is what I could gather, um, that watched out for the kids. He just sat on his front porch. He knew the kids played. They played with him sometimes, played fetch, stuff like that. They played fetch? Well, like, whatever you, what do you call it? Catch. Catch. God. <laughs> you can see that I don't do that with my kids. And I have dogs. <laughs> Catch. Yeah. Ball, mitt, whatever. Throw hand. Yeah. <laughs> catch he would play catch with him it literally like he had been married he had two kids and his kids were like older and had already moved out the house so it's kind of like one of those instances where he like he missed being a dad and he didn't have grandkids so he would just like hang out with the neighbor kids and he said he just liked to watch out to make sure nothing bad happened to them see that's sweet and they assumed that he was a pedophile and kidnapped and murdered maddie so that's why i'm not mentioning his name and we're moving on and he was completely cleared Um, but the family had no idea who could have possibly taken Maddie. Um, the Jacksonville Police Department was afraid whoever took Maddie could possibly take Jesse as their next victim. That would be really intense if that happened. I don't, has that happened before? I can't think of an instance where they took one sibling and then came back for another sibling. In the Elizabeth Smart case, they took Elizabeth Smart and then a couple weeks later or, or a day later or something, they tried to kidnap her cousin. That's just crazy. Like, that, that's a good way to get caught. Mm-hmm. No, like, let me take Maddie and then let me come back and take Jesse. Yep. So, I thought that was odd, but I. You know, they were just being extra precautious. So, as the Cliftons were out searching for Maddie and speaking to whoever they needed to speak to, um, they wanted to make sure that Jesse was, like, 100% protected because, I mean, they're busy. Like, I mean, they constantly had to be doing something during the 24-hour day. 
because no parent can just sit around and do nothing while their child is missing. So like literally from sun up to sundown, they were out handing flyers out, talking with the police, doing whatever they could. And they would have deputies from, you know, the local precinct come and stay at the house with Jesse. So she was safe. They just wanted to keep an extra eye on her. And, you know, could have some kind of normalcy for like a 10-year-old kid that, you know, has a missing sister out there, which that's <laughs> mm-hmm. freaking scary, you know? And the the one thing that I really thought was really sweet is the captain of the police station had the deputies come in normal clothes. Um, and I thought that was, that was really sweet because that can be scary. Mm-hmm. And when they show up in the uniform, that really draws attention to what is actually going on. And they would just watch movies, they would play board games, they probably ate junk food. I mean, who hangs out (laughs) and doesn't, you know, snack, even if they are on the job. They probably made her feel very comfortable. Um, You know, just normal hanging at home activities. And more and more days went on, and this, they kept doing this. And the thought nobody wanted to think began to manifest, and that was that it had been a week. We ha- we're at that week mark. It was November 3rd, and now it's, like, November 10th. Yeah. Okay? A lot of time has gone on. No sign of Maddie. She's vanished without a trace. There's no witnesses. There's no evidence, literally, at all. Not even, like, out on the street, in the neighborhood, anywhere. There's nothing. No leads. The police always tell you um, the more hours that go by, the less likely chance there is of finding the person alive. Mm-hmm. And or finding them at all. I mean, sometimes people go missing. Think about the missing people cases, the cold cases, and they still don't have the person. Um, it's intense. It's very blunt, and it's brutal to say, but that is one hundred percent the truth. And I'm I, sometimes police just have to be honest with parents. They don't want to, you know, keep leading them on that. Oh yeah, we'll find your daughter mm-hmm. alive. Um, and I, I've experienced this, and I'll tell a little story, and I won't make it, like, a long one, because I don't want this episode to be super long. And I already told Crystal I wrote, like, a Harry Potter book I mean, on I'm this case. I'm this episode's going to be a two-parter. <laughs> <sighs> but, um, I experienced this a couple of times. Um, in my husband's job, he's been on a ton of, it's basically called a body recovery. That's what they call it. And it... The, la- uh, the last one he did was in the water, and it was when we still lived on Guam. It was actually, we lived on Guam, and somebody had came from the nearby base in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And he had come to see family and go fishing and kind of hang out on the beach. And he went fishing at night, which they tell you not to do. He got swept up into the current and they searched for him a week. My husband had, like, cut some bruises on his legs from, like, digging in the reef, looking for him. Um, Long story short, and without giving too much detail, they only found one body part of him Mm. because he basically got, like, they weren't sure if he got tore up in the reef or if a shark found him, but it can be rough. That's horrible. And also, that's a side note, not to go fishing. um, Alone. At night. night. Yeah. Anyways, that's why they say the first couple of hours, I mean, in that instance, it didn't really matter, but in a couple of the ones he's been on, 
there's less likely. I mean, you're going out without food and water and all of the above. So Maddie all this time could have been going without food and water. Now it's a week. Basically, they told the family, we're going to... We're going to just start looking for her now, in a sense that she's already passed away. Mm -hmm. So they began searching the surrounding woods. They sent diving teams in the surrounding water, and they literally found nothing. And every search party just kept coming back with nothing. They had literally nothing to go on, which for the family, that was good news because no news is good news. And they were still trying to hold on to hope that she was alive. Somewhere. They weren't sure where, but somewhere. And, okay, this is where it's going to start getting pretty intense. The police received some information about Maddie that is 100,000 million quadrillion times disturbing. And not what anyone was expecting. In the beginning, when I said this is the biggest curveball that you will not see coming, this is what I'm about, we're about to drop the ball here. Um, Melissa Phillips, a mother of an older boy that lived in the same neighborhood, um, they actually lived right across the street, was cleaning her son Joshua's room. Not weird. I mean, here we have a 13-year-old boy whose room can be messy. I know my kids are six and three and their room is disgusting if I don't clean it once a week. Um... But Mrs. Phillips said the room smelled worse than normal. Like, she said it was, like, Ugh. terrible. I already don't like the smell of a teenage boy's room. I know. And she, she said something was off. Um, this was way more than a teenage boy and his pet smell. And I'll say pets because he had three parakeets. Oh. And then and he was known he was known not to clean out their cage. And if you've never owned a bird, oh, birds God. poop a lot. And they smell so bad. They smell really, really bad. And he was known not to clean the cages out, which first you shouldn't let your pet your child get a pet if they're not gonna take yeah, care of it. No. But she just assumed, okay, it's been a while since she cleaned the cage, probably she needed to clean that out and clean his room and that will get rid of the smell. <laughs> no. No, I didn't mean to laugh, but I was like a nervous chuckle. <laughs> um, literally, what I'm about to tell you is the scene of an actual horror movie. Like, this this is what it felt like. This doesn't feel like this really happened. This feels like when I was watching everything, it literally felt like I was watching a movie. It couldn't be. This couldn't have happened. There's no way. Um, nothing a parent wants to find. I definitely nothing a parent wants to experience. Um, but Mrs. Phillips kept deep cleaning, and she said she was really deep cleaning because she was like, it smells so bad in this room. I need to get it out of my house. And she was cleaning Josh's room, and the smell just was not going right. I mean, by this point, she had cleaned the bird's cage out. She had gotten all the laundry, all the dishes, everything out, and the room still smelled disgusting. And she said she had never smelled that before. Now, Josh did have a waterbed. Who remembers waterbeds? I do. Um, my mom actually had a waterbed in our first apartment that we owned, and she got rid of it after this case because <laughs> it just 100% creeped her out. Yeah. So, and thinking about me sleeping on that bed, and then what I'm about to read you guys kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, she noticed there were stains around his bed, and the carpet was still wet. 
logically she thought, okay, the bed has broken, there's probably a hole in it, a slit somewhere, and this smell must be because all the water leaked underneath the bed into the bed frame, and it's got to be mold, there's probably mold under there, mold all around the bed frame, mold in the carpet, underneath the carpet, but I've smelled mold. Yeah. Mold does not smell like death. But I feel like she just wasn't thinking. I don't think who she thinks wasn't thinking. that about their kids' room. Yeah, I feel like she's room. still trying to. In her mind, she's still trying to think. Where, what is the smell that I'm smelling? She lifts the waterbed up. It notices the bed is broken. It had like a kind of like a slash, like in the corner part, like you know the little side part. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was. Like, you could tell that it had been taped over. Like, Josh had tried to, like, he probably didn't want to get in trouble that his bed was broken. So he had tried, like, several different types of tape, like clear tape, duct tape. But she was like, no, this isn't going to work. I'm going to have to lift the bed up, empty it, and clean underneath it. And that's when she noticed a piece of fabric kind of sticking up. Mm -hmm. And it was white, and she couldn't really move it. Like, she was tugging on it. She was trying to move it out of the way. And she was like, what is underneath here? Um, so she went and she grabbed a flashlight because I'm assuming she couldn't see. I don't know. We weren't there. Um, and the fabric that she was yanking on was actually a sock and it was still attached to the body of eight-year-old Maddie Clifton. I I can't imagine. I wonder if she screamed or if she was like, I feel like I would be like very like, from everything that I could see and everything I read and every all the interviews, I think she was in shock. That's how I would be. I, I think it was sheer shock and adrenaline because she just went into, I've got to tell somebody. I've got, we've got to do something with this mode. You're cleaning your son's room and you find the body of a little girl. I mean, like, What? Now you have to notify the police and the family that literally lives across the street from you that their daughter is dead in your son's bedroom under his bed for the last week. And that's the smell you've been smelling in your home. Sleeping on top of her, literally sleeping on top of her. Mm Mm-hmm. Literally going to bed every night knowing there's a dead body under his bed. I mean, it was just... It, I My stomach dropped when I got to that part. I mean, I knew it was coming. But, like, you guys know I love my YouTube and I watched a lot of them. And, like, just literally physically seeing pictures and, like, people talking about it. Mm-hmm. My stomach dropped and I was like... All sides, this is terrible because she's just found a little girl under her son's bed. It's just sheer panic and... This part is, thank God she is a decent human being, and it's sad that we have to say that. But she rushed outside. She she called her husband on the phone, and he didn't pick up, and then, like, she really freaked out. She was like, okay, you're not answering your phone. I can't wait for you. I have a dead girl under our son's bed. Mm-hmm. I got to get this figured out. So she rushed outside um, because all this going on, she knew the police would still be on her street, and she ran up to the first... Police officer, oh my god, police officer, she could find and just like, just blurted it all out. Maddie Clifton is under my son's bed. You need to come get her. You need to get somebody. She just, it just came out. Um, 
And I, heck yeah, because that's a good mom. And that's a good mom for several reasons, and there will probably be some people that disagree with me. Um, but so many moms in the past have covered up for their kids. How many cases have we talked about where the mom said that, oh, that can't be my child, they're so good, they didn't do that? No, no. And even, and I've talked about this with my husband before, if my kids in the future do something, no. Mommy will send you to jail. Don't think I won't. I will send you to jail. No. Um, because... She knew this was wrong. She knew in her heart that another family was suffering from this. They needed closure. And and I put this in my notes, and I really stand by it. Mrs. Phillips potentially stopped her son from being a future serial killer. Oh, 100%. And I live by that. I, mean, I think that's a pretty good statement that I have. And after going inside the home and identifying the body as, in fact, Maddie Clifton, they had to, unfortunately notify the Clifton family and um, Mr. Clifton said in a few interviews and like just from uh, people that were physically there when it happened they said that when the officer walked from the Phillips home back over to them mm -hmm. the officer hadn't even said anything and he already knew That's horrible. he already could tell by the officer's face that his daughter was dead and that they were coming to notify him, which that just, my heart just sank into my butt. Cause Can you imagine? I can't even imagine. He could just feel it. He said it was just like the sensation mixed with the officer's face, which the officer, I mean, he, he, he can't hide it. He just walked into a house and found the little girl mm -hmm. under somebody's bed and then has to walk across the street and say, we need you to come identify your daughter. I can't even I, imagine. Uh, all around, all around. Um, it's literally the worst pain a parent could ever feel in their life. And a super creepy fact is when police searched his room after Maddie's body was found, um, there was actually a missing persons flyer across the room on his bookshelf. Because remember, he's been out helping them search for Maddie. Yeah. And for him to have that in his room to look at for the past week. I just don't know what was going on with this kid's head this entire time yeah that's not even the cherry on top of the sunday though um t taped to josh's headboard was a picture of jesse and if y'all remember jesse is maddie's older sister that's creepy when the cliftons were asked about it they said it was a picture that must have been stolen from their home um because it was a picture they hadn't seen in a while and they thought that had just gone missing it was stolen? He, yeah, huge red flags. Huge red flags. And um, we're, I'm, I'm about to talk about how I got the picture because he was, Josh was actually banned from the Clifton's home. He was not allowed because they had started to piece together that they believed Josh had an obsession with Jesse. Uh-huh. And he had made a few just not okay sexual jokes towards Maddie. This is a, and I should say Josh was 14 at this time. Making sexual jokes towards a kid half your age. Eight year old, yes. And so the Cliftons banned him, but they banned him and then a couple days later, their home was actually broken into and their furniture was like destroyed. The home was destroyed, nothing was taken. 
Um, and then Jesse's room was like messed up. So the Cliftons think that when they don't know for sure it was Josh, but they're pretty sure Josh did it because he was rebelling from them, not letting him hang out with Jesse. He wasn't allowed to come in their home anymore. And the girls weren't allowed to go to his house and play. And they believe that that photo was in Jesse's room and that's where he got it. And he taped it to his headboard. That's creepy. So, yay. Um, and obviously Joshua was picked up from school to be interviewed because they searched his home. The body was found at like 8 o'clock in the morning, like 8 or 9. She was cleaning like after he went to school. So, during the school day, the um, continued to be at school while they searched the home and they found all kinds of weird just off the wall stuff a knife a baseball bat that had blood on it the knife had blood on it an extension cord um just some really weird stuff some porn and we'll talk about that in a little bit i mean this was not a normal 14 year old kid to everybody to everybody he seemed normal but he wasn't i mean they found her under his bed uh that's not normal i mean he's gonna have to ask He's going to have to answer questions. Yeah. So they brought him in, um, and he immediately begins confessing to the police. I mean, he's he says, yes, I killed her, and gave out, like, a whole story, went through it, and told him why he did it. I mean, he's only 14. I would expect that because it's basically word vomit. He's just, just getting it out. He knows he's caught. He knows he's not going to be able to get away with it, so he's just, you know... And the story matches everything the neighbors saw. They were playing together, being typical kids. However, after a while, Josh got carried away and actually hit Maddie in the face. Ow. And that's the story. And that's where I'm confused because they said they were playing golf, but Josh says they were playing baseball. Hmm. So, it's conflicting. I always heard it as baseball when you said golf is the first time I've ever heard it, but that's so weird. It was, like, in a few YouTube videos, so maybe, like, the YouTubers just, like, maybe said golf but meant baseball. That's why I said I was confused, but I'm pretty sure it's baseball because they found a baseball bat. And yeah. They, they confirmed that it wasn't. He got hit. She got hit by a baseball bat. Yes. So... And naturally, Maddie starts crying. You know, she was supposedly bleeding. Josh says she was bleeding from her forehead, from her upper face area, probably like around the nose, eye. Um, And Josh wasn't supposed to be playing outside. He was in trouble from being banned from the Clifton's home. And he wasn't supposed to be hanging out with Maddie at all. Like, he wasn't supposed to be playing with her. So panic set in. He says he forced Maddie to go inside his house, like go a little bit down the street, go into his house. Because correct me if I'm wrong, both of his parents were at work. And they he were. Was by himself they for were. Hours. He was at. They, his parents were both at work, and he had a rule. He was already in trouble mm-hmm. from what he did, and his parents said if he if they were not home, he does not leave the house, and he does not have anybody come over, and he doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So. And, I mean, if this story is true, it wouldn't be hard to get Maddie into the home because she'd be disoriented. I mean, she just got whacked in the face with a baseball bat. Um, And he said she wouldn't stop crying. He just wanted her to shut up. He wanted her to stop crying. He didn't want anybody to hear it. He didn't want his parents to come home and them hear Maddie crying and him get in more trouble. And he says he hit her a few more times, then stuffed her under his bed. Okay. And that's what he told the police. But, right away... 
the police didn't believe it because they've had a full day. Maddie's already been taken to the medical examiner. They're already starting an autopsy. The medical examiner's already kind of given them an idea of how she passed, what's happened to her. They found those, you know, the knife, the baseball bat, the electrical cord in his room, you know, some stuff he's been searching online, the porn he's been watching. And they're like, no, you've told us some of the story, but that's not the real story. You need to tell us. Mm-hmm. Some parts just weren't adding up. A lot of it was missing. And like I said, the autopsy never lies. And that eventually, a few days later, is where they knew that Josh was just straight up lying to them. Mm-hmm. That is not how it happened. And um, that is because the first thing that happened to Maddie is she was actually strangled with an electrical cord. But the medical examiner says that he knows it was done by a child or somebody that, like, doesn't know what they're doing because he strangled her for 15 minutes. But he wasn't strong enough. He didn't have it pulled tight enough around her neck that basically she just passed out and couldn't breathe for a little bit. But it didn't kill her. Oh, my God. So for imagine that. Start a timer on your phone. 15 minutes, this this 14-year-old boy sat here and strangled an 8-year-old little girl until she kept waking up, passing out, waking up, passing out. In, in and out, couldn't breathe. But that, as the medical examiner says, is the first thing that happened to her. She was not first hit with a baseball bat or a baseball. Like, Josh couldn't get a story. He hit her with a baseball. He hit her with a baseball bat. He swung back too far, and she ran into it, and he hit her in the eye. Like, this, it wasn't adding up. And sadly, that 15 minutes of strangulation was not the end for Maddie. That didn't kill her. He took her from underneath the bed because he he had gone downstairs. His parents came home, and he heard her moaning. Mm -hmm. He heard her moaning, like, underneath the bed. And he then took her out from underneath the bed, hit her in the head with a baseball bat, like, three or four times, just, like, bang, bang in the head. And Josh... Really thought that killed Maddie. He really thought the strangling and then the hitting her in the head with the baseball bat, she was dead. I mean, he's only 14 years old. I mean, he doesn't know. He's a a kid. But by the grace of God, but I don't know if I should say that because I don't know if I would want Maddie to have lived through all that. She was still alive. And for a... The medical examiner said she could have possibly survive that like her injuries weren't that bad if josh had just told his parents mm-hmm. called 911 done something realized that he's gone too far because at this point they weren't like life threatening mm-hmm. but at this point he knew he had gone too far he'd done something wrong he knew it was bad so for a third time when he realized that maddie was in fact still not dead when he checked again under the under the waterbed um he found a knife that he had in his room, which is the one that they found, and stabbed her 11 times. Oh, my God. That is horrible. So sick. I mean, this poor this poor baby, she's eight. She's been strangled. She's been hit in the bat. She's been stuffed under a bed. She probably doesn't know where she is. She's disoriented. And two of the stabs were in her neck. That's horrible. It's poor baby. Just sickening. And the reason I mentioned his mom possibly stopping a serial killer comes from this next part that I'm about to talk about. 
Um, naturally, when stuff like this happens, they search your computer, and I've already mentioned it a few times. After murdering poor Maddie, you know, pulling her out from underneath the bed three times, not because once, that's normal. three, Joshua jumped onto his, to, onto his computer and watched porn for 30 to 45 minutes. It's so gross. So he just murdered a little girl from across the street. He's 14 years old, and his first thought is, Oh, let me watch porn. Yeah. Yeah. That's not normal, folks. That shows zero remorse for what he just did to Maddie. That's not normal. You don't recover from that. I don't care if you're 14. I don't care if you're 45. You don't murder someone and then jump on to watch porn for some relief because that aroused you. That proves that it aroused him. Yes, okay, and this may be asking too much, but it does make me want to know what kind of porn he was watching. So I do know that. Okay. If you want to know. I do. So this is another thing that people were really glad that his mom came forward. Because he was watching kitty porn. Oh. How he found kitty porn is disgusting. Um, He's 14, so when I say kitty porn, that means like five and six-year-olds. That's what he liked to watch. That's disgusting. So that was another red flag. He murdered, I mean, he's already murdered somebody, and now here he is after he murders somebody watching kitty porn. Did he sexually abuse Maddie? No. There was no signs, but when they found her, she was practically naked. So they think that he maybe, they don't know. To this day, he still says he's innocent. Uh Um, He even said not guilty at his trial, and we'll talk about that. But she basically was found almost completely naked. Her shirt was pushed up. Her underwear was off. Her shoes were off. That's how the mom, you know, felt the sock in the foot. Um, her shorts were off. You know, it, it. they just think either he didn't get to that point or maybe he just got, like, scared and then just killed her. Yeah. But they do think it started because he was planning on sexually assaulting her. So the porn was definitely a red flag because... He's a teenager. Teenagers watch porn, but... Teenagers don't watch kitty porn. It was graphic. It wasn't just kitty. It was like... Like, rape fantasy porn. Like, hard... Oh, disgusting. Hard, rough porn. Not what a 14-year-old... Not even, like, some grown people should be watching. So, yeah, that was definitely huge, huge... Imagine if he had never gone to jail. There's no telling where he'd be today. Um, so, naturally, Joshua Phillips was tried as an adult um, rather than going to juvenile court. And thank, thank God they did that. <laughs> thank goodness they did that. Um, and the reason, and I'll just jump forward because there's a lot. Like, the trial was long. It took them a long time to find juries and all that and... People were so biased, and... Well, yeah. There was just so many opportunities for him not to do this and to stop, and he didn't. And he placed her under the bed three times. And that is the reason that he was tried as an adult, because they were trying to say that he was 14, his mind was underdeveloped, and he was young. But he had multiple opportunities not to do this, to tell his parents, to not even do it to begin with. So that's why, ultimately, the judge decided to try, you know, try him as an adult, and thank goodness. 
a lot of people complained about this and like even if you go you guys should really i was telling crystal you should look up um eleanor neal on youtube she does really great true crime like vlog podcast like kind mm-hmm. of stuff and she discussed this case but a lot of people in her comment section were like mad that a 14 year old was given this sentence that I'm about to say and so many people were like you're crazy like he what but the they say the judge gave him too harsh of a sentencing he was 14 and it took a look so he was more like 15 when he was given this sentence and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole mm-hmm. and it's the it's the no possibility of parole that people are getting hung up on because they're saying he's a child he could grow out of that he spent almost all of his life in prison he could probably be you know rehabilitated no, the judge stood by it. The judge said that if he could have, if he was four years older, if he was 18, he would have sentenced him to death. Oh, well, And he too. told him that as he was being sentenced. He's like, you should be lucky that you're getting to spend the rest of your life in prison alive. If you were 18 years old, I would fry you right now. Mm-hmm. And they very much do do that. And uh, actually, they don't have Sparky anymore. But you lethal mm-hmm. injection away... Um, because it's Florida, y'all. Like, like I, I, I think we've said on the podcast before, we don't really know, or I think we talked about how we weren't, like, 100% set on, like, the death penalty in every situation. But, like... I am uh, mainly against it. But that is because how they took a life, and we say that they don't deserve to take a life, does not mean that we deserve to take their life in return. Two wrongs do not make a right. And I get into arguments all the time with my husband about this because he, he, you better not steal a piece of bubble gum from the store because he thinks you should fry. So, (laughs) mind your P's and Q's, okay? But, like, I just, I'm not God. And if you believe in God or not, or whoever you believe in, I would never want that in my hands no matter i take that as you will if you guys want to cancel me if you listen to this you could be the worst human being on the planet i'm still not going to kill you but i mean what else like what i always said is i don't know where i stand on it because i've never been personally affected by a murder so I don't know what it feels like for the family of a murderer of a murder victim to be like, "You took my child's life, or you took my husband's life, or my wife's life." Like I want you to not exist the way they don't exist anymore. Like I can't imagine like empathizing with them is very hard for me to do because I can't imagine how they feel. But, like, as someone who's never, like, had been affected by this, it's easier for me to be, like, oh, no, let's not, let's not kill them. Like, just put them in jail. That's, for the rest of their life, that's enough. I think the closest I've come to that is my uncle. And it ended up not really working out. It didn't work out. And uh, a few years back, I lost my cousin to a drunk driver. He hit her head on, and she didn't die right away. She passed at the hospital. Like, all her inter- internal organs were just crushed, and it was mm-hmm. really... Um, she basically waited till my uncle got there to pass, and he believes that. And he immediately was like, this guy needs to pay. 
I want him, you know, something done. And then the, the driver eventually passed away as well. And I think that's the closest I came. But, like, my uncle was like, light him up. Like, yeah. set him on fire. I don't care what you do. But also, that was, like, in the heat of the moment. Yes, like, it was happening. Too. Yes, do you feel that same way three years after the fact? He's still very sad, and I think because the drunk driver passed away, like, he still is very much angry at that person. But, like, it's not going to bring my cousin back. No. And killing somebody, like, you know, death sentencing, it's not going to bring your loved one back. Uh, neither is them sitting in jail for the rest of their life. But we do that because that's for society. You don't want anybody else to be killed or murdered yeah, or whatever else. Out. That person's still going to have to live with that for the rest of their lives that they mm-hmm. killed somebody. That's enough. Guilt is enough. You can die from guilt. So... I don't know. That's just. I can wish that they get beat up and possibly killed in prison by other inmates who think that they are. Sadly, that's not happened for (laughs) Joshua. He's been in jail for a very long time. Not a long, long time, but like almost our whole life. I have to say, 1998. Over 20 years. Like 25, almost 25 years. But unfortunately, not that I want somebody to get beat up, but. They say that he's a model prisoner. I didn't know he could be a model prisoner. He killed somebody, but they said he does what he needs to do. He actually got his GED. Religious, of course they are. Every time they go to prison, they become religious. Yeah. Anyways. Um, and he actually is, like, either going to school or been to school for paralegal, and he actually helps other prisoners work on their appeals to get short, shorter sentencing. Which is scary. That is scary to think that a person that is in jail for murdering somebody is in there giving legal advice to shorten somebody else that has murdered somebody a shorter sentence. So, yeah, that is what Joshua is doing in prison today. It was unanimous. The jury 100% all said that he was guilty without a doubt, and he got life without the possibility of parole. But... That is why it's been so popular recently on TikTok and why YouTubers are talking about it. That's why me and Crystal are talking about it today. Um, also, the Morbid podcast, they have a really, really good episode about Maddie as well. Mm-hmm. You should go listen. I got some of my info from them as well. Um, and they actually have an interview with Jessie, Maddie's older sister, who took this really, really hard because in a way she thinks she is responsible because during the trial... The prosecutor and the defense brought up that Josh was literally obsessed with Jesse. She was stalking Jesse. And they brought up the thing that they think Josh did this to get at Jesse. That he thought maybe molesting Maddie, he could like picture that it was Jesse. That's gross. But it, it went wrong. She started crying or something, so then he had to kill her. That's that's what that's just a theory though, but during the trial they brought it up a lot about how he broke into their home, had a picture of her on her headboard, and it it really it was a lot for eleven year old to deal with because at the time of the trial she was eleven years old. That's so horrible, and yeah. I can imagine being it's part pretty. of that courtroom and having to witness and hear. I know her parents are probably protecting her from a lot of it. But, like, having to hear 
some of the stuff that was being said about your sister? At first, they didn't allow her to go to the trial because she was so young, and they talked about Jesse a lot. Like, they, the defense and the prosecutors, Jesse was brought up a ton that it, it revolved. He was literally obsessed with this 10-year-old kid, and he was 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a lot for her. And she went through a lot of therapy, naturally. And she's just now able to talk about it. I mean, she goes, she talked with the girls at Morbid. Um, She does a few interviews now. And it's just a lot to deal with. And the reason that a lot of people are talking about it now, especially now, is because in 2023, that's just two years away, like less than two years away, Mm -hmm. he will be up for resentencing. So that means he could possibly be let out. He could get possibly parole. Time served. Good behavior. That's scary. It's scary, guys. He was 14 years old and strangled, beat with a bat, stabbed, stuffed under his bed. He went to the store and bought, like, 10 air fresheners (laughs) to mask the smell because he he knew what he did. This is somebody that does not need to be let out. And to this day, he claims that he is innocent. He did not do it. He says he blames his father. He says his father was a a drunk that beat him and his mom and was abusive. And he was afraid if his dad heard Maddie crying that he would get beat. But literally nobody in the family could back this up. Everybody in the family said, yes, his dad was an alcoholic. He drank too much. But he didn't beat them. Josh was a perfectly normal kid. He got normal grades. He did everything he needed to be. Like, he's perfectly fine. So, it it's, it's scary. And I'm, in 2023, I hope people are smart enough not to let this person go free. Especially for Maddie's sake. Because she, still to this day, in 2021, deserves a voice. And let's not give it to him. But... That is all I have for you guys, unless Crystal has something she wants to add. No, I was just looking at how long he's been in prison. So he's been in prison for about 22 years. Mm-hmm. So he's spent more of his life in prison than he has because well, like in prison. the trials and stuff like that it takes a little while, and then yeah. finally you get your sentencing. And he was young, so he's 37 now. Yep. That's yep. crazy. Yep. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. I know this was a really long episode but there's just so much there are so many details and this was just a really a wild ride and we really appreciate you guys listening to us and until next time have a good night bye